Welcome back to another episode of the Wild Edible World podcast, continuing the indoor series. I'm one of your hosts, Michael. And I am Steve. We got we got something a little bit different this time. I mean, we, we've been doing things a little bit different recently. We had that wonderful interview uh, with Lisa M. Rose. Yeah, if and you haven't listened to that, make sure you go back to the la- previous episode. It's and so good. Listen to it. I've listened yeah. to it a couple times. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Actually, yeah, it's, really it's an good. amazing conversation. Um, but we're going to switch it up a little bit more even. And r- rather than talking about a particular wild edible, we're going to do um, fermentation. Yeah, just kind of um, we're going to start off the first half with just kind of generally discussing fermentation, the different kinds of fermentation, uh, the what the process means and how it works and how it changes our food a little bit and also how we've personally worked with fermentation in our lives. Yeah. So to start that off, fermentation um, is an aging process, right? Like, and it's, but it's also, so as far as like human interaction with fermentation, it's about controlling specific environments to allow specific bacteria that we like to thrive and that same environment is inhospitable to bacteria we don't like that also rots food and stuff. So when we create those environments, that allows these like magical processes to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of nutshelling. I think the whole thing as a whole. Do you have, any, have anything to add to that? Like a little bit. I mean, not not to that little bit. That that's pretty all inclusive. I mean, it just allows that the bacteria, the the good bacteria that we want to encourage to do just these very special things to the ingredients that we are trying to ferment. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really just some of it's about total control. Like if you're mm-hmm. in the realm of brewing and things like that, mm-hmm. you want to control just about all that you can. And then there's some that are just, you know, easy. Yeah. More funky freestyle. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, to give to just kind of cast a general net to let you know, if you haven't really thought about it, the types of products that uh, most of us encounter on a regular basis that are fermented, um, we, we can think about things like alcohol products. All alcohol has gone through some sort of fermentation of some sort. We have vinegar, which is a byproduct of different bacteria taking over alcohol. Yeah. So, um, and then we have sauerkraut, mm-hmm. which is more like lacto fermentation, um, which is a bit more of the sour flavors. Soy sauce is yeah. a fermented product. Kefir. Ch- kefir, yeah. Cheese. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yogurt. Yogurt. Mm. Kombucha. So, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Kombucha, there, there's a lot. There's that, a lot. There's. It's it's a lot of our favorite things, I think, because. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really specific nutritional benefits that come with introducing these specific bacterias and flavors and like, uh, yeah, nutritional compounds into our digestive system. So, um, how have you personally, Steve, used fermentation? What was like the first thing you ever like really successfully fermented? The first thing that was just like uh mind blown is it's this easy this is nearly impossible to screw up mm-hmm. was sauerkraut yep so i'm a gardener as if you if you listen to the show you know so at the end of a season you have uh 
uh, I had a cabbage, which is what mine was, but sauerkraut's uh, cabbage is just dipping your toe into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, was it was it like white or red or? It was white. white it was cabbage. just you know your traditional green cabbage. Okay. Uh, nothing fancy. Um, and and yeah, it was just. I mean, it's a it's a just incredibly simple process of uh, drawing some of those natural liquids out of the cabbage and then maybe uh, shoving it in a jar. So you, you draw the liquids out. Uh, of the cabbage with a little bit of kosher salt or Himalayan salt, something yeah. like that. So, if, yeah, for like sauerkraut specifically, yeah. um, you use salt to mm-hmm. create the right environment. We're creating a salinic yeah. environment as opposed to something like beer or wine or alcohol, which enjoys sugar, a sugary environment. So, yeah, exactly. you draw, you you add all the salt to the cabbage, right? Yeah. And it pulls out all these waters and then... On that cabbage already is the the necessary the bacteria. Yeah, we the want. bacteria. It's yeah. all around us. We're breathing it. We're 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 inhaling it right now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so you squeeze you just like vice grip that yeah, cabbage. You, you, right? So so I did, there's several different ways it's to like do it, man. Harder. Some people I've <laughs> I've seen people uh, just hollow out the center of the cabbage and pour. <laughs> yeah. I mean, pour just salt pour a ton of salt into in there, right? it. Yeah, I didn't do that. I julienned my uh, cabbage uh, with different um, different thicknesses, just because I like a little bit of texture to my kraut. Um, and then, you know, like I said, salt, draw it out, shove it in a jar, top it off with a little bit of water. Uh, there's all sorts of cool little weights. Or if you don't, if you don't have a weight or, or don't want that extra expense, because everyone has jars. I think you know if you've ever bought a pasta sauce you have an extra jar laying around somewhere (laughs) um then there's there's all sorts of cool little tricks as far as like uh keeping your kraut submerged without overfilling the jar and then also without um buying extra things Mm -hmm. so i I guess that'll be my my tip for this half is if you save that core uh from the bottom of the cabbage and you save one cabbage leaf you put the leaf on top of the ferment and then you put the core to apply pressure with the lid yeah if that's that a makes great sense. idea so yeah. it just keeps it submerged uh which is where you want that crowd to be so that's my tip how about you what's yours what's going on uh i mean i think yeah i, I guess that's almost uh kind of a hard question to answer creatively because I feel like a lot of people's entry point into fermentation is sauerkraut. Yeah. <laughs> because it is that easy. It's two ingredients, cabbage and salt. And um, it's that easy. And I think the recipe is like 2% salt um, by weight. So, um, but always, you know, make sure you check a recipe to make sure that you're creating a good ferment and that you don't feed yourself something bad. And in the case of fermenting, um, I think with all cases, uh, my little tip for this half would be that our nose is an incredible tool. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've eaten fermented food before, you know what it's supposed to smell like. You know what good things smell like. Um, sometimes sauerkraut can get like really weird, but um, different bacteria have different smells. They they let off. They have body odors and like body functions just like us, and so they're letting out all this gas, and they smell different. So you always want to be able to use your nose and you, you want to go and try some of these fermented foods before you make them yourself so that you're making sure that like, oh, it's, yeah, it's fermenting. It's supposed to smell like garbage and that's not true at all. It's supposed to smell sour and funky and just weird, um, but not 
it's not supposed to make you go ugh. Yeah, if so, if you're if you're using uh, like cabbage for sauerkraut or any of the like the brassica family or cruciferous vegetables, you're gonna get that. That are you cooking cabbage in the house? Kind oh, of funk? yeah, yeah, it is. So that's unavoidable. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, sorry, yeah. but it shouldn't smell uh, rotten. Yeah, exactly. At all. Yeah. And you're like Michael said that your nose is going to be the best um, indicator. And uh, you know, I, I just while researching this, the the number of cases of like food poisoning from uh, fermented items like wild fermented items are next to nil. Like th- these are, this is pretty safe stuff. Yeah. Uh, when you follow a recipe, you follow the yeah. right directions um, and you have equipped yourself with the right knowledge. It's almost fail proof. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some conditions like trichoderma, which is like a green mold that um, you almost cannot get rid of. And mm-hmm. some houses do have that issue. Some, some people might encounter some difficulty, but for the most part, um, check the recipe first, and mm-hmm. it, it's it, if if you're doing it right with the right weights and proportions and everything, and the right salt, it, it, that's important too. So as far as Definitely. sauerkraut is concerned, if you use the right salt, mm-hmm. you can't just use your normal table iodized salt. You got to yeah. use um, sea salt, mm-hmm. and I would use fine sea salt or coarse sea salt, something that like has kind of the same amount of mass because you want to work by weight not necessarily by tablespoon measurement Mm -hmm. the tablespoon of finely ground salt is going to be actually a lot more salt than a tablespoon of rock salt yes so just keep an eye out for that and as far as fermenting with salt and lacto fermentation in those environments you don't have to use cabbage either that's a typical one but you can use beets you can use carrots all sorts of different root vegetables you can add onions in there um so there's there's a lot of different varieties that you can make with lacto fermentation and create just like different varieties of sour flavors it doesn't have to be just cabbage but that's a great starting point um so after that uh have you brewed much you know, not not really. Just a, a little bit here and there. We have we you, we have common friends that are in the uh, the big leagues as far as Plenty. brewing goes. Yeah. Um. But I personally haven't haven't made a ton. I mean, I'm just while I, I was saying a little bit earlier that during my uh, apple cider vinegar uh, ferment, you know, you, you you taste along the way just to gauge whether it's sour too sour not sour enough mm-hmm. um and the apple honey water mixture mm-hmm. that i was that i was fermenting actually tasted almost like an like an apple soda so it was it was really like yeah. a very lightly sweetened apple soda so i mean i'm just really getting started with the uh maybe drawing a little bit of booze out of my ferments i have i i guess i have made moonshine before <laughs> Which, what really yeah what? yeah uh over covid in my basement my uncle has a 15 gallon still oh um yeah but that's that's not really fermentation that's distillation of a wart still so i guess yeah it does, it does yeah because you yeah, still yeah. have to ferment the wort yeah that's true because you're extracting the yeah alcohol. you're extracting the sugar the alcohols or alcohols out from the sugars yeah so i guess i have Neat. <laughs> 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 Didn't 
<laughs> Didn't know we had a moonshiner in our midst. Yep, That's you, good. I have some in my house. We can drink some. Hell yeah. It's delicious. Let's do it. Let's do it. We, we, we got to hang next week, have a little yes, personal yes. holiday separation. Yeah. And, you know, we got to hang out for once and not record the yeah. podcast. <laughs> we'll we don't s- hang out. We'll send pictures of our Christmas party. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I have done a bit of work brewing. You're right. We do have lots of friends in the brewing industry and tons of brewery options around us so it's kind Mm. of hard to justify spending the time and energy and making my own beer when it's not going to be nearly as good as anything else i can get really really easily so instead of focused on making things that are a little bit more inaccessible such as wine and mead mostly mead because i think working with honey is a really cool um, aspect um, and so that's another thing we can use for preservation too is like encapsulating things in honey I don't know if have you ever done that I haven't but that sounds delicious yeah so <laughs> depending on the type of thing you use um, sometimes like different fruit will activate the sugars in the honey and it'll start to ferment but with drier things you can preserve things in honey so that's, that's so another cool. little preservation um, I guess this is a fermentation episode but I guess the real message we want to get across through um, our rambling conversation <laughs> is that there are lots of different ways to um, change your food and use them in, a, in you know novel ways and also to utilize, um, you know, we're going to segue into the second half with how you can incorporate all your wild food into these fermentation processes For and sure. how and what we've done as well. So I guess I guess just a, just one more little thing on yeah. the on the why portion of this or the how like how this works why this works why would we want to do it why would you want to why would you want to ferment a head of cabbage instead of just chopping it up and sautéing it and making it delicious that way it's a lot quicker right um, and what I like to think about is how nature nature naturally ferments so uh, my example I'll use is. Uh, ruminants or like cows, for instance, they have that four stomach system uh, that allows them to take something as simple as like a grass in a field and turn it into uh, uh, body fat and, and mass and meat and muscle. And one of the ways they do that is the their four stomach system. It allows them to like cycle this grass until it ferments, till it becomes more uh available more bioavailable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and this is exactly what we're doing mm-hmm. we just don't got all these stomachs laying around exactly. so we have to use jars and uh things of that nature so that that's how i like to think about it and well, that's such a valuable point steve Thank yeah you. no we absolutely it's it makes it part of that fermentation process is this bacteria breaking down the food for us mm-hmm. right and yeah thank you for providing, providing yeah. that valuable point with that i think we'll <laughs> Mosey into the second half. Um, so we'll be right back with you. See you in a sec. Oh, hey, Steve. Oh, hey, Mike. Well, what's wrong, buddy? Well, I, I just got this new water bottle, but it just looks so plain. Well, have I got the store for you. Introducing the Wild Edible World Podcast Merch Store. Wowie wow! It's the merch store where you can get all of your favorite podcasts merch. 
for all your decorating purposes. How do I find that? Go to wildedibleworldpod.shopify.com or go to any of our Instagram and media accounts and view the link in the bio. Wowie wow! You've just entered the back half of the Wild Edible World podcast. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Hey, we're back. Hey, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in the second half, we wanted to talk a little bit more about um, how we personally used wild food in fermentation and the different things we've done with it, as well as give you a solid book recommendation um, because there's some pretty cool, there's a pretty cool author out there that does really cool stuff. So how, uh, what, when, when I, when we talk about fermenting like wild foods, what's the first thing you, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Uh, I would say that the batch of (laughs) what was supposed to be apple cider that ended up being apple cider vinegar, (laughs) uh, crab apples. Ferment that oh, I yeah. that I had this going year? on. Yeah, yeah. Remember the, yeah, the, yeah. the gallon that I had? Yeah. Bunch of vinegar. Um I don't know. Is it good? Yeah, Have you tried it's tasty it? as heck. Oh, okay, it's cool. dry. Well, we gotta do an exchange. It's dry. Yeah, yeah. We we definitely exchange because you made that ruby red grapefruit, not actually grapefruit, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. fucking delicious thing. Yeah, we can yeah. definitely trade. I have a ton um of that stuff. It's so dry. I got to back sweeten it or something. Hmm. It's just so dry. Cool. Um, but we can do that. Uh, but yes, so apples are my are the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. But I also love to incorporate like the little things. So like dandelion greens and dandelion stems into a sauerkraut. So oh, yeah. so like a 100% dandelion sauerkraut, you'd have to do some gathering, you know? Sure. But, yeah. um, but adding maybe like a 30% ratio to cabbage... And getting it going that way, heck yeah, dude. Yeah, and it actually breaks down some of those bitterness compounds mm-hmm. too. It's it doesn't taste like you're just like eating raw dandelion. Yeah, exactly. Totally support that. Um, for me, I think that honestly, the first thing that comes to mind isn't actually something that I've done, <laughs> but uh, I've almost done it, and I, I think I haven't done it because I haven't been able to collect enough. But blackberry, black raspberry wine. Didn't Ooh, we try some of that? I, okay, so I tr- we for, for, and that was during the episode yeah. too. So yeah, and an entire wine made out of black raspberries, which just like grow profusely around here. Yeah, we could do it. Yeah, we could. I just I, I was joking that I think I haven't been able to because of this person because like we just go to we all just, the same per- places and mm-hmm. so like I can't ever get enough berries, but I've gotten enough to make a pie. But okay, so here's another fun thing um, that. Um, I think is going to be kind of novel to a lot of people is koji fermentation. So that's the same culture that is used for soy sauce. Mm-hmm. And instead of using soybeans, we're just using a different medium. So it's still creating the tamari and the soy sauce. Like mm-hmm. you, you get two products whenever you ferment soy sauce because there's like a lot of juice that comes to the top and then juice that falls to the bottom or something. I, I'm not entirely sure about the process. Koji is still kind of a learning process for me. Um, and I think that might be true for everybody that uses koji because 
it does something weird to every single uh, <laughs> food item it comes into contact with, like apples. It makes them like sour and like it turns uh, sweet things sour and sour things sweet. <laughs> I don't know what to. I don't know what to say. So I made a uh, what it was a Juneberry koji from an. Wow, that sounds fascinating. I don't have much experience, but uh, I love the things it produces. It was like a sour Juneberry applesauce. Um, it was really, really awesome because it just like breaks down the berries. They kind of like burst and ferment and then sure. um, just left it out for a couple days. So that's usually the idea with ferments is uh, and in the modern world, we let them sit out and have the let the bacteria have its way for a couple of days mm-hmm. or maybe a week or two um, for most fermented food products. And then we transfer them into the refrigerator to kind of halt the fermentation yeah. because of the temperature. Uh, it's too cold for them, and then they kind of like stop working. This kraut is sour enough. It's allegedly. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Um, and so you would think that back in the day when we didn't really have, most people didn't really have access to food boxes and stuff. Uh, I mean, sorry, ice boxes mm-hmm. um, or cooling systems or even maybe even a root cellar. Um, they would use fermentation as this way of keeping these nutrients in a stable, they're kind of like in a stasis whenever you ferment them and they keep them in this brine. Um, so I think it's really valuable and it's more valuable i think because of the reasons you brought up earlier because it unlocks all these nutrients and it keeps the food good yeah so for sure it's like it's just like this kind of cheat code that's been waiting that it is just there for us to use that nature just has i don't know i think it's really fun definitely it's been used like forever you know yeah um fermentation cheeses like you mentioned earlier um yeah yeah so beyond um so fermenting with wild foods further we've uh, I've made mead so mead is a pretty another I think pretty introductory fermentation experiment because it's literally mm-hmm. just honey and water um you can add commercial yeast if you if you want if you're using commercial honey or if you want to support a local bee farmer or rescue bee service, I'm sure you'll. Um, there are places nearby to you, wherever you are, that can offer you some sort of local raw honey. And raw honey is the important part. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, because and they're and they're everywhere. Even if you've never noticed them, there's mm-hmm. there's signs on the side of the road that say local honey, fresh honey, you know that 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 sort of thing. Raw honey. Yeah. Um. And and you're right. Raw is the key. Yeah. Absolutely. So whenever bee is, uh, whenever honey is filtered um, and processed to make it clear and beautiful, uh, it's I think they heat it up a little. Yeah, they heat it. So yeah, that makes it easier to flow, and so that there's less loss and everything. But that what that also does is that kills a lot of the really important microorganisms and um, nutritional compounds that are in honey that make it so nutritious it's still really nutritious after the fact but it's even more nutritious when it's raw so and that that's the case with all food honestly all food um some food is necessary to be cooked but um in order for our bodies to process it but if 
uh, everything has more nutrition raw and then cooking it kind of kills a little bit of the nutrition. Sure. Basic facts, y'all. So what else? Uh, I guess some tips for getting started if you've never fermented before. Um, The best thing about like a wild ferment or is is that you can start small you can make uh sauerkraut in a pint jar yeah. you know you can make it on small scale if you're nervous or maybe you just want uh minimal risk on that first batch um yeah you, you, you can start small and, and that would be my tip is is start small uh because you can always make more uh it, it might take a little while but it's definitely well worth it it's going to improve your digestion it's going to improve the bioavailability of the vegetables that you're eating mm-hmm. um yeah start small man yeah i totally agree with that i'm going to compound on that a little bit with my tip and say that um get out there and start whenever even if you're hearing this episode when we release it which is going to be dead winter um, I'm still recording foraging videos. You know, there's still lots of stuff out there that uh, is delicious, tasty, fun to eat. And you can just grab a handful of juniper berries or rose hips and throw them in a small jar and add, like, you know, the right amount of sugar and add water and have a fun little soda right there in yeah. the, in, within two days. So, don't you, don't yeah. you do a natural sodas class, like a wild edible? Form? I have done one, yeah. Yeah, so I'll that be sounds, doing one next that sounds too. so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We make a half gallon of soda with um, ingredients we all collect, and at the end of the week, you have a fizzy beverage with a really interesting flavor that you will never be able to find anywhere or any time else. Yeah. which is. Just what um, I think the fun thing about foraging and how fermenting kind of works with that, just like capturing a time and an essence and an area and fermentation just kind of unlocks yeah, deeper, deeper concepts within that. I'm so intrigued by the possibility of like a crab apple soda, you know, like like with all the different varieties we've tried over this past totally. uh, season. Oh, man, I'm yeah. so pumped. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah, it's going to be a good <laughs> Definitely next Definitely want year. that. Um, um, so, uh, Shout-outs. Shout-outs, yeah. So we have, uh, there's a pretty well-known and pretty well-respected forager out on the West Coast. So um, because this is fermentation, um, this is, and, and yeah, just fermenting in general, it's a concept that is available everywhere. So it doesn't really matter where this person is from. This name is Pascal Baudar. So that's P-A-S-C-A-L-B-A-U-D-A-R. He's pretty well known. His books are gorgeous. So he has three publications. One's on, I think it's called A Wildcrafted Fermentation, Wildcrafted Brewer, and Wildcrafted Vinegar is his newest book. And um, I have all three of them. They are gorgeous. He's a phenomenal photographer. Just gorgeous photos all all the time. Um, and he does really cool. He's where I learned that book is where I learned how to just grab yeast off of berries that you find everywhere. You know, it's all around us. He has a really good way of explaining it and his methods are fun and mass-based. So that's the important thing is that it's not like teaspoon of this, teaspoon of that. It's like, no, you need to calculate percentages of weight, which is not that hard. It sounds a little intimidating working with math, but sometimes... Yeah, just call us if you need help. We're super good. No problem. Yeah, <laughs> messages, calls, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're here for you guys. So, um, 
yeah, the way his recipes always worked for me and got me off on a really good foot for fermenting and making like random wild sodas on a forest walk soda, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So highly recommend Mr. Baudar. Um, his books are just almost undefeated as far as beauty is concerned. Nice. They're That's really awesome. Damn pretty. I, I'm honestly not not familiar, but no uh, kidding. I'm gonna look him up. Yeah. Oh man, he does so much cool stuff beyond the fermenting and the wild food stuff. He does wild pottery as well. I Ooh. own several of his pieces. I'm very proud to own several of his pieces because they're kind of hard to get, um, and they're made completely out of local clay that he walks out into like the deserts of California or wherever he is and just like digs this clay out of the side of a hill and then, you know, figures out if it's good enough with the roll test or whatever and then has his own little kiln, fires it, does the whole process start to finish and it's really like rustic. Um, Again, it's, you know, about that concept of capturing a place, you know, and so now he's, we're moving from vegetables into the earth we're standing on as well. Just like, you know, these are all, snapshots of these little places he's been to and beautiful works of art made for holding wild dishes as well so that's so right cool man yeah he's such a cool dude yeah it reminds me it like brings me back to like my childhood finding like a clay pit because there are a couple in joliet mm-hmm. it makes me wonder i wonder if i could make shit out of it you 100 percent can oh let's do it yeah let's make shit to. out of clay yeah absolutely my shout out is going to be for to a gentleman named uh sandor katz oh, uh yes, of he's, course. he's a killer um he has i think i think two two bucks two books out yeah uh wild fermentation and then the art of wild fermentation which goes a little bit more in depth um and he is self-taught he's not he doesn't have a degree he's never taken like microbiology classes he just became fascinated with fermentation and has just been kicking ass and he gives like uh talks all over the world and he's just he's just so cool to me and he, he yeah you should you should definitely look up his name Check out some of his podcasts. Check out yeah. his social media. Last name is like K R A U T Z, right? It's almost yeah, like it's like, it's like sauerkraut. But, yeah, you know he's such a nice dude. He follows me on Instagram. Even we follow each other. That's awesome. Good dude. Look at you. Yeah, that's how you know he's a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's truly the sign. That's my metric. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Well, I think that's gonna close out our fermentation episode. Our first fermentation episode. Yeah, this at is least, just this, this is just us. We're going to be kind of freeballing for the next couple uh, months until spring picks up. Freeballing? That was a weird... Yeah, yeah it was a little sorry. strange. Um, yeah, right. You can freeball if you want. I, I mean, you're your own whatever. individual. We're not going to talk yeah. about that on this yeah, show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we're going to talk more about preservation, fermentation, um, different just kind of the um, behind the scenes of wild food as opposed to ingredient spotlights while we're stuck in the dredges of winter. And hopefully we'll get a couple more interviews. I... Uh, I have a couple buddies. Yeah, I, I, I have a, my my friend Mike is coming in from Montana. Uh, exactly, he's a guide yep. in Montana. Yep. maybe we could sit down with him. No, we else? should absolutely. Let's yeah. sit down with him and have a chat. Um, we have yeah a couple other like another podcast that we I think we're gonna yes. do a little oh, a little was, chat with Terms of Service. Shout so out. excited! Shout out Terms of Service. More food service podcast. So I mean, if you guys are interested in talk to us, reach out. Um, but as far as plugs are concerned. We should plug our merch store, too. If you guys like pins, stickers, magnets, or keychains. We're your guys. We're your guys. That's us. So uh, check out wildediblewordpod.myshopify.com. 
com and uh, get all your Wild Edible World merch needs. With that, it has been a sincere pleasure. Wowie wow. Wowie wow. <laughs> Telling you guys about all the best food you can find for free, trailside, curbside, or low tide. This has been your host, Michael. It's been a blast. We love you.